I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 174 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. He is an actor who is currently starring in one of the biggest box office hits in the movie theaters right now, and that is Unplanned. Actor Alexander Kane will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And there is no doubt that the film has stirred up a bit of controversy out there. And just as with Gosnell, there have been steps taken to prevent the success of Unplanned, which tells the true life story of Abby Johnson, who became the youngest clinic director of Planned Parenthood, only to then later become a strong proponent of the pro-life movement. And the debate is always raging about pro-life and pro-choice, so I would like to just take a second here to weigh in on the subject of abortion. And the closest personal experience that I have that's anything related to the subject of abortion is that my wife and I suffered through multiple miscarriages and it was a devastating ordeal for us to go through each and every time, especially because when you go to the doctors and you see that heartbeat flashing on the screen, it is always an amazing experience and you start to envision this future with this child and you think about the responsibilities that you have. It's a bit nerve wracking because there's a little unknown that goes along with all of it. You start to think about uh, how you're going to support the child and care for the child. But at that moment, there is one thing that is a 100% certain, and that is that it is a living human being. And I don't really understand the men that are out there that go along with this idea of telling women to just go and execute the baby because um, it's an inconvenience to their life. That is just so horrifying to think about, especially once you've experienced the loss of a pregnancy that you were excited about. So, I mean, listen, I'm not here to judge anybody. I, I do believe, as it says in the Bible, let he who was without sin cast the first stone. And I am uh, definitely not a person that is without sin. So I- I'm not judging anybody here for what they've done. In fact, you know, when I was 19 years old, I was hit with a DWI. But truth be told, I could have been given at least 50 of those things because I drank and drove all the time. I just didn't get caught. So when I hear that somebody was involved in a drinking and driving crash and they killed somebody, I mean, I don't judge the person because I've been there. I've made those mistakes. And I I think that it doesn't take away from the fact that it's devastating to hear that something like that has happened. And to me, legalizing abortion is just as ridiculous as it would be to legalize drunk driving. Because, I mean, if there was no penalty whatsoever for this, people would be drinking and driving all over the place. I mean, we have enough people that are doing it now, of course, and it's illegal. So if there were no consequences for it, man, the streets would be mobbed with people that are drinking and driving. So I don't think you can ever really stop abortion completely, but to make it legal the way they have in New York City, I think that is a travesty. And I think the only choice that's ever involved with this whole issue is whether or not to have the sex. Because just as with drinking and driving, once you're drinking, you make the decision to drive. That's the choice. Once you make that choice, you have got to live with the consequences of it. But I just think as a society, we can do much better. And I have to admit that when they passed a law in New York City that allows everything that Gosnell did and was convicted of to now be 100% legal, that was sad enough. But to light up the World Trade Center's Freedom Tower in celebration of the new law, I mean, that was heartbreaking. So many people were murdered at that site. And to honor this new law that allows murder, I think is just really a dark spot in the bright history of New York City. And just this year in the United States alone, there have already been over 250,000 abortions, according to abortionclock.org. And that's not a woman's right issue. That is an issue of genocide. 
So what can I do? I mean, as the father of three boys who are going to be hitting that sexually active scene in our society in just a short period of time here, all I can do is educate them and teach them what I consider to be the most important value of all, and that is ownership. That they have the free will to make the decisions in their life that they want, but they have to take ownership for those choices. As men, we don't have to make these decisions of life or death and uh, terminate the pregnancy or go full term. Our choice is right there. Have sex or don't have sex. Have safe sex or have unsafe sex. Men have the power to put an end to abortion without ever having the need to change any of the laws. They just have to make better decisions. And all I could do is prepare my three boys that are going out into the society, hopefully to become good decision makers and to be responsible for the choices that they make. I mean, that's really all I can ask of them. So I know this is a difficult subject to talk about. It's been a big, politically motivated topic for sure. The film Unplanned does a wonderful job of showing the sheer horror that is involved with murdering a baby. I mean, so let's just dive into the conversation here with one of the actors that stars in the movie. Alexander Kane is coming up next. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, joining me now is a First Class Father. He is bringing a breath of fresh air to the Hollywood acting scene. He is currently starring in the box office hit movie Unplanned. It is a big privilege for me to say Alexander Kane. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, it's great to be here. Love it. Uh, and that is how I identify first and foremost as a father, as a daddy. Me a person, I'm sworn with kids like Matt. <laughs> All right, well, let's start there. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I got six. Uh, I got Bay, who's 16 now, driving. She is a sophomore in college. She'll be both a veterinarian and a PhD, a doctor in audiology. Uh, when she, by the time she turns like 22 or 23, uh, her name's Bay. She lives in Sacramento. And then I got uh, Kai, who is 13 year old. He is an athlete first and foremost, and he does, he's smart, but he don't have that academic desire like Bay does. And then I got Emmy who's my little eight-year-old dynamo, and that's for my wife, Brittany, my amazing support system. If it wasn't for Brittany, none of this would really be possible. Uh, and so then I got Fox. Fox is our wildcat. He is six, and we just had twins in November. So it has been a wild ride. And the, the twins are Doc, named after Doc Holiday, and Rue, and they are fraternal. Wow, that's incredible. What type of uh, sports or activities are they all into? Okay, well, Kai's a big, they're all athletes, but mainly the girls are gymnasts uh, with some softball, uh, but pretty much just gymnastics. The boys are all over the place. They're t-ball, baseball, wrestling, martial arts, whatever. They're they're involved, and, and the jury's still out on the two twins. I guess we're going to figure out what they're made of. We come from a family full of athletes, so... Uh, it's kind of our thing, you know, football in the fall, baseball in the spring, and UFC year-round. So uh, my wife is a same sports nut. So um, the girls and the boys get a double dose of it in our family. Very cool. I love that. Now, do you get involved with coaching at all, or do you like to enjoy it more from the sidelines? No, because uh, I've learned I'm not actually that great of a coach and mentor. I am. Uh, I have very high expectations of myself. I'm very... Uh, an aggressive male, not in, in violent kind of way. Just I expect everybody to give their absolute best all the time, and I learned that 
some people are made to coach. Some people are made to watch, and some people are made to compete. I was built to compete. I was not built to coach. Uh, I'd rather just lead by example, watch what I do. I, it's not my favorite thing to deal with the parents of the athletes. Love the kids, love coaching the kids, did really well coaching football, but dealing with the parents is not my cup of tea. So um, I've backed away. So also, though, I, I want my children to feel that they've made everything on their own. So I don't even want to give the even the mere idea that there may be some impropriety or uh, unfairness in my coaching. So I'd, I'd rather my kids just walk their own path. Yeah, great point. Okay, Alexander, please take a second here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Oh, Lord. Well, let's see. About 14, 15 months ago, I really jumped into acting. been wanting to do it all my life. Um, just turned 37 years old, which is an example. My story's a great example of it's never too late to start. I hit on one movie that was just sort of a Christian Christmas movie. It just happened to have this amazing cast of characters from the actors to the production team. They were all deeply connected in Hollywood. Seemed to hit it off with them. They seemed like me. I seemed like them. And since then, it's just been a whirlwind of bigger and better things. I would say it's almost like I'm riding an avalanche. So essentially, I was just an actor um, beyond uh, as what I was doing. And then uh, I became sort of a, a producer out of necessity, because in the acting business, you're controlling, your destiny is pretty much in the fate in the hands of casting directors, directors, and producers. But if you're going to produce your own content, you can cast yourself in it. So I've sort of this kind of a quasi-producer, but uh, an actor is what I, you know, a father and an actor is pretty much what I am. Yeah, that's awesome. And when did fatherhood first come into this picture for you, Alexander? And how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I was always a hard worker and a hard, uh, you know, an athlete that put in a lot of hustle. I was always the the athlete that was more known for being Rocky Balboa than and than Apollo Creed. You know, the natural gifts. I had natural gifts, like I could throw hard, uh, baseball, and I could hit hard, and I could run fast. But I didn't have. I'm five nine. I'm 160 pounds. Uh, you know, I'm strong and I'm athletic, but I didn't have those natural gifts. So. The hard work ethic that came with that I always kind of had, even in factories or jobs I took. But I didn't understand that life or death back against the wall, you don't have a second option, Options, uh, failure's not an option mentality, until my daughter, Bay, I was told at a Sonic drive-in about at 9 o'clock at night that I made a joke about us being pregnant, and my first wife turned to me and said, I wouldn't joke about that. And I said, why not? And she said, because we are pregnant. So instantly it changed. I mean, it was like a flash came over me, and I became a different level of intense at that point. And uh, ever since then, um, being a dad has been my identity. I mean, it's the thing I love most in this world. And it is the reason I get up every morning and the reason I don't quit. I'm still at working out every night, midnight to 2 o'clock, and I'm up back at it at 6 o'clock. So everything I do and every time I feel like I want to take a break, or I want to eat a carbohydrate or something, I always think about how can I be the best version of myself and my children. So that is what has changed, is their level, their coming into my life made me a different level of intent. Yeah, that's well said. And what have been some of the um, unexpected experiences of having the twins and adding them into the mix here? Oh, Lord have mercy. It's, it's several the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so the twins are, i tell you what the unexpected consequences of twins are, great traps. <laughs> I have to carry two gigantic heavy car seats everywhere with two babies in it. And it's got my shoulder muscles are exploding because I 
about five hours a day, I'm holding two twins walking somewhere with my wife. And uh, as, as jokingly, that's that's probably the biggest impact physically. But, you know, we're in fortune. Our children sleep all night. And they're low maintenance. We've never had a child that gave us problems. The twins are double everything, obviously. So, uh, you know, I'm not a great dad to talk to in terms of, oh, boy, you know, uh, it's really weighted like that or things have changed. Because we raise our children on the fly like a gunslinger by the seat of our pants. Um, they just kind of get thrown into the mix. And so um, because my wife and I share the duty and she's such a great uh, supporter and such a great teammate and great partner, I really haven't noticed much of a change. Uh, the twins are just, when I look over now, instead of there being four kids standing there, there's four kids and a woman with two and me holding two. And they go into a lot of my Hollywood meetings. They come on movie sets with me. They go everywhere with me. They travel the country with me. We don't leave them at home. So we just got two more Migos riding shotgun pretty much. Good stuff. Okay, you recently starred in Unplanned, which is doing incredibly well at the box office right now. Yeah, that a shocker. Oh, yeah, it's great to see. Now, what was the experience like for you, and how much did you know about abortion before taking on the role? You know, I didn't know hardly anything about it. I knew how I thought I felt about it, but that's one of the reasons why I did it is, I, you know, first of all, as an actor, I was interested in it. There was multiple reasons why I was interested in the film, and one of which is politically the only really issue that I'm super passionate about is abortion. I think it's just murder. I don't think there's any way around it, and everything that I thought about it was confirmed through my research and my work on Unplanned. Um, it's one of those things where I totally understand politically and scientifically and in a civil rights way and in an in a, in a equality rights way for women. I totally understand all of the reasoning and logic and uh, why they want to do it or they feel it's a necessity. Um, my wife and I have talked about it many, many times. I understand the gray area involved, but at the end of the day, I always let my heart lead me in life, and my heart and gut tells me that it is murder. There's no way around it. And I don't say that from a Christian point of view even. Now, on my Obviously, as a Christian, I have one thought on it. Um, but this is simply as a person. Um, it's the same way I feel when I pull the trigger uh, when I was younger shooting an animal or my concept of killing a, someone else's child or any type of taking the life of anything. I just It's something that's hard for me to deal with morally. And so on a personal level, I'm 100% against it. Um, I would debate anybody anytime politically. Uh, but it doesn't change how I feel about it in my core. And so the movie opened my eyes to a lot of it, and I think that what people misunderstand about the movie is that they were it's really Abby Johnson's biography. It's not so much an anti-abortion. Anti-abortion is just the way Abby Johnson feels. Her story is an anti-abortion story. But this is truly just a movie about Abby Johnson's story. So let's not get lost in the fact that it's just about anti-abortion. This is the telling of Abby Johnson's book. Yeah, and this film has faced similar backlash to Gosnell. And one of the mind-blowing things to me, Alexander, is that the recently passed law in New York City makes everything that Gosnell did and was convicted of perfectly legal. And on the site where thousands of people were murdered in New York City at the World Trade Center site, uh, they lit up the Freedom Tower in celebration of a law that now allows murder. And I think that was very unsettling to a lot of people and woke a lot of people up when they saw that. Uh, What was your reaction to it? My reaction to anything is that uh, of, of that nature is always it's funny how um, both sides of the aisle tend to point at the other side and saying you're being unfair and unreasonable while doing exactly what they say is being fair, unfair and unreasonable. Um, you're saying that we are trying to uh, 
you know, we, we're promoting this negativity. We're promoting something awful, an agenda, an anti-feminist agenda, and then you do something that's anti-feminist in terms of female babies that are in the womb being born. So it's like, well, at what point do you consider them a female or a human being? It, it, to me, it all gets very, very just – it gets very muddy and very cloudy. Like I often see people fight hate with hate, which is very confusing to me. So um, – for that, I, you know, New York is, it's, for me, it's almost a lost cause in some areas because you're almost doing things out of spite. And I've learned early on in life, if you're doing anything out of spite or just to be contrarian, then you're not doing it from a place of authenticity. I think forgiveness and kindness and love and all that happens when you know someone makes a mistake and it came from an authentic place of failure or uh, an accident or making tough decisions or making a misstep. Nothing is forgiven, and no people, no one feels great about anyone that does something that's not authentic. And you've got to believe if you get these people one on one, that nobody is celebrating privately the way they seem to be publicly about murdering unborn children in the womb. So it's embarrassing for me. Um, I have no problem uh, standing up and defending it. Now, Gosnell actually faced, I think, even the stronger backlash than we did. I mean, they essentially, that movie almost didn't even, you can't even hardly find it. Nobody's hardly ever even seen it. So I think they fought at even a worse battle than we did because Unplanned has such a high profile that it's almost backlashed on them, and what they've attempted to do to us has sort of well, specifically backfired and pushed the movie to, I think, even this weekend, maybe a better second weekend than the first weekend, which is extremely difficult to pull off. Yeah, I am so glad that Unplanned is getting all this attention, and rightfully so. I went to go see it recently. I thought it was very well done. I thought you were excellent in the film. Uh, but in Gosnell, one of the actors, Dean Kane, who I was fortunate enough to interview on the podcast here as well, he talked about how emotionally disturbing it was for him to film some of the scenes and some of the stuff there because he was just unaware of actually what takes place during an abortion. Did that happen with any of the cast members from Unplanned? Did any of them become visibly un- unsettled? Absolutely. There's a lot of tears shed, a lot of being distraught, um, when you're researching these things. I mean, it's, listen, Unplanned is not, it's a great movie, and it's a well-done production, but it's not a joyride. Nobody's going to watch this movie and come out smiling. I consider it a one-watch film. There's a lot of great movies that hurt your heart, that tell a story that needs to be told, that you never want to see again. I don't want to watch Unplanned again. I'm a one-watch guy. I saw it. I don't need to see it again. It's burned in my soul forever, and I think that you would probably agree with that, right? How many times do you want to sit there and go through that misery of knowing the suffering, the pain, and that the, not only the young women go through that have to make this choice, but the the fetus itself and uh, at elevated ages, at the stages of pregnancy, and uh, the families that it affects when, like, if you saw the scene with the mother where she's pleading with her daughter not to do it. I mean, there's so much misery. It's not a joy ride. It's just a story that had to be told, and um, we hope that it helps people. But, yeah, there's a lot of, there was a lot of uh, – the, the, there was prayer and misery and joy in a variety of different ways for different reasons throughout the shooting of the movie. So, yeah, while, while we celebrate that the movie's doing well and making a positive impact, it's certainly not a joy ride of a film, you know. 
Yeah, and I agree. And one of the things that was very touching for me is that, you know, my wife and I, we experienced quite a number of miscarriages, and it is so tragic to lose a child at any stage of a pregnancy. But the truth is, I will never know just how difficult it was for my wife during each and every one of those, because, you know, I didn't have that physical experience as she did. But, I mean, I do know how it feels to be heartbroken, uh, not only because I'm so sad for my wife, but because, you know, I'm already creating future events in my mind for this life of this unborn child. So, I mean, it's, it's just devastating all the way around. Mm-hmm. It is time to get an important word from our sponsors and then right back with more from Alexander Kane. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. We are all about creating good humans, right? But if you're finding your kids are more interested in listening to cartoon characters than you, the parent, here's a great way to get your kids thinking about what good behavior really is. The SirDap Game Show app is so much fun for kids 5 to 8 who are challenged to figure out what's polite or rude, who left a mess, or what's right for the environment, while absorbing good messages about how their behavior can affect others. Check out SirDap.com to learn more. That's S-I-R-D-A-P-P.com. On something right there that um, it was left out of the film, not intentionally, but Abby Johnson, as you see, the re- one of the ways I can prove that this is not an anti-abortion movie um, is that they didn't go to lengths to discuss all the issues and sides of the abortion, abortion, anti-abortion, pro-life, pro-choice coin, being that it was Abby Johnson's story. I can prove that by the fact that they never once brought up father's rights when it comes to abortion. You're just going to kill my 50% of the child that's 50% mine without my consent? Do you know what I would do to someone if they attempted to come in my house and murder my child? It, think yeah. about that. The father's rights never get brought up in the abortion argument. Like the guy in Alabama that's suing for, uh, you know, them them aborting his child without his say-so. I mean, there is a second side to that. Father's rights are an issue if they're strong. That I'm, I'm, I, if I ever run for political office, I, my sole platform will be how father's rights are completely trampled on in this country. Um, I barely get to see my two kids with my first wife. I get 60 days out of 365 days a year. You know, and now, as you as you said with your miscarriage, you have a child you never get to see again. Well, that's the same with abortion. You're taking an opportunity for me to have that joy and that child in my life, and I just don't see how that's right. So that proves Planned Parenthood is more a biopic on Abby Johnson's life than, than the entire uh, sphere of the anti-abortion argument. Yeah, and you hit on something there, Alexander, that I think is very important, too, because I'm tired of dads being portrayed as this dope who doesn't know how to change a diaper or that he's considered a babysitter when mom isn't around. You know, they try to make it sound as if moms have evolved and men haven't. It never had to evolve, though. That's the thing. See, if we're talking about equality, equality is across the board. You can't say because he's a man, because he's a dad, that he's less important or has less rights than the mother. So it never had to evolve. There's always going to have to be somebody that supported uh, the child and somebody who physically supported, financially supported. And throughout history, it's always been perpetrated that the father worked and the mother stayed home, that one was the better parent. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, love, how are you going to define what love is? How are you going to define what caring and support is? You know, well, my wife and I've had this discussion a million times. It's chicken and egg. You can't have one without the other. I, I often argue that given the opportunity to step up and play the mother role, any dad throughout history would have done that. 
It's just the society and the way that it works and the way that we had to operate. I never once bought into the idea that dads are less loving, less caring, less tender, less gentle, or that mothers are weak, or that mothers can't go out and bring home the bacon. Of course they can. Any human being, we're all made equal. We can all get up, pick up the sword, and do what we got to do when we got to do it. So, you know, everything is societal. They all have these preconceived notions and concepts of how things are. Yeah, some of the some of the greatest uh, parents I've known throughout time have been single dads. Um, so, like I said, I don't. I believe that we're in a situation now where people are constantly being accused of being racist or white or homophobic or whatever, and all these accusations are thrown out there. And then one of the most overlooked accusations is that somehow fathers aren't equal, uh, equivalent to mothers. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Alexander, I've had quite a few single dads on the podcast here. And listen, we are facing a fatherless problem in our country right now. There's no doubt about it. And I think something that contributes to this is the fact of all the shame and humiliation that goes on in a divorce court. And in a world where everybody wants everything to be equal, it is not equal when it comes to divorce court. And, you know, so many dads, their starting position is from under the bus. And I think that some of the dads, you know, the financial commitment, the personal attack on their character and all this stuff, I think many dads get so tired of fighting this uphill battle just to try to get a few supervised visits with their children every every other week that some of them just throw their hands up and they walk away i had an attorney and a judge tell my ex-wife if she just kept fighting enough that i would do like most fathers and throw my hands up in the air and walk away when she found out that wasn't the case and we've been going on a 10-year battle for me and and i'm as, as active as i was then in pursuing the best course of life for all of my children uh, but they do make it though you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle. And so, uh, you know, essentially one of the things that made me want to become an actor was I felt like this next generation full of guys was did not have the male role models. It is okay to be a tough, testosterone-filled male that kicks ass with one hand and treats women and children kind with the other hand. And we're missing those Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Steve McQueen, uh, kind of actors these days that may, you know, they're, if they're not in the home, they need to be on the screen. So I set out to become an old school Hollywood icon, not the male chauvinist, but to show boys who didn't fight world wars and don't have a male role model to look up to that on camera and off camera, you can watch a guy who can be tough, to be proud, to be full of testosterone, to be not afraid to say what he thinks. They won't back down in the face of social pressure that says you're not going to make me feel guilty for being male, for being white, for being Southern, for being anything other than myself. And I'm going to be that on camera, off camera. I'm going to be a great dad, a great husband, a great friend, a great humanitarian, and I'm going to do all that on and off screen. And that's what I set out to do, and I, that's why when I go into these auditions, that's what they get. They get Alexander Kane, 110%, being myself, and if they don't like it, I don't need their role. And it has worked out well so far because I find that Hollywood, while trying to soften men, is actually still very thirsty because on a primal level and on a genetic level, um, that's what we are. We are built warriors. We we are – women are what we are and men are what they are and we are what we are. And everybody has a place and everybody has a genetic code. And while we're in this stage of life where everybody's trying to shape things differently than what nature itself God, the universe, whatever you want to say, however you were created, people are shying away from how they're created. There's no reason to do that. And so I refuse to do it, and uh, I want young men and and young girls to know it's okay to be exactly what you are um, and be proud of it. 
Yeah, very well said, Alexander. I am on board with your entire philosophy there. And I would love to see the Jimmy Cagneys and the Humphrey Bogarts, you know, the guys that can be tough and be romantic. I would love to see them make a return to the screen. So I applaud you for your efforts here. And I think that every time we see a single guy on TV or in the movies, he's always living it up. He's sleeping around. He's living up life. But every time we see Family Guy, Family Guy's always got his head down. Life's kicking him in the ass. He's never getting laid. His life sucks. He's powerful. He's weak. And most guys see this and they say, well, I'm never going to get married. You know, that, and, and the thing is, you know, men that give up their dreams and raise a family are applauded with one hand and called soft on the other hand. And women who do that are supposed to be powerful. So how is it that a man isn't powerful by, by going home and becoming a stay-at-home dad? That shouldn't make him weak. That should make him seen as a strong man. Because if a woman does it, we raise her up and say she's, She's strong. Well, she is strong. I'm absolutely taking nothing away from her, but so is any person that makes that choice to be a single parent and do what's got to be done or be a stay-at-home parent and raise the children and rear the children. And and that's why I take issue with some of these actors and actresses lately that they bring up, like Brie Larson with the, I want to keep white men out of my movies because it's not for that. Who are you? Imagine if I said I don't want any white women or black women or black men to watch my movies because I didn't make it for them. I believe in this whole concept of equality, but equality is everyone. It means everyone has the same opportunity. Everything across the board is the same for everybody. It doesn't mean, oh, you can say whatever you want, but I can't because of how I was born. Yeah, and things have gotten way out of line, Alexander. There is so much hatred being spewed, especially on social media. It's just a cesspool of hate. And I think, like you said, you know, people are trying to solve the problem of darkness by adding more darkness, and nobody is bringing the light. Right. It's 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 people. It's reached a point where people are afraid to fight back against what seems to be a wave of correctness. They're saying, oh, this is the way to correct it. Like, say, for instance, Hollywood or Brie Larson's argument. For example, this battle I'm fighting down here about Georgia passed the anti-heartbeat bill, so we're not going to work in Georgia anymore. Okay, so let me get this straight. You're saying Georgia's going to hurt mothers and children, women that will need abortions. And it's going to negatively impact their lives. So you're going to quit working here and shut down a show that's going to negatively impact the lives of all the workers who are supporting themselves through your show. You're going to take your own children's uh, financial future into uh, jeopardy because you're going to quit your show because of a potential potential woman that might need an abortion or wants an abortion. That's what I'm getting at here is. It's like we're doing the same thing. You're, you're hurting somebody by saying, I'm going to hurt somebody because you're going to hurt somebody. And there seems to be no understanding of, well, maybe this is what the people of Georgia want. Do you not take into consideration that the people of Georgia elected these people? Maybe, maybe this is a state where the people here support that. And so you can't just pitch a fit and take your ball and go home. I'm all for protest. I'm all for standing up what you believe in. But I'm not for damaging other people's lives just because you want your way. Yeah, it does seem like there's a lot of hypocrisy going on out there, especially coming from Hollywood, where even with the gun thing, they seem to be big advocates against guns. They want to take guns away. They're anti-gun violence, yet they can't make a single movie without gun violence. You would think they'd say, hey, we're going to take the lead on this, and we're going to ban all guns from our movies, but they they don't want to leave a single nickel on the table. Well, it is controversial because it's it's very hard to portray yourself as an all-white, sinless human being. Uh, while pointing the finger at other people, when everyone knows that you have sin, and I find it very, very, I find it very convenient that they point the finger at the rest of the country when they're the one whose scandals are laid bare. 
And, you know, and I am no different than any one of them or anybody else. I've got my own issues. I've got my own problems and vices, demons and flaws like everybody else. But I'm not going to Hollywood to preach. How about this for once? How how do you think America's going to take to it when an actor like myself finally takes an Oscar award and says thank you and walks off without giving some gigantic political speech that nobody wants to hear? I'm going to get cheered beyond belief for not tangling myself in people's personal business because I'm here to entertain you. Sure, I have a voice. Sure, I have a right to say it. But I think people have stopped watching the Oscars because they'll get their politics where they want their politics. We're supposed to be their escape. Well said. Now, has your 16-year-old seen Unplanned yet, or when would you be comfortable with your kids seeing the film? I would say that that age they start doing sexual education or become sexually active or the ability to have it. I think anybody after maybe 12 or 13 years old should be able to see the movie. My daughter hasn't seen it yet. Uh, to my knowledge, I haven't talked to my ex-wife about it. But as, as I kind of mentioned before, the lines of communication aren't exactly wide open between us. Um, so my daughters and son will probably see it uh, under my uh, supervision uh, when they come for the summer. Um, I think well, I think every parent, every child's a difference. You know this. You raise multiple children the exact same way. They turn out all different. So, <laughs> you know, I think that what I have to do is just, it's a case by case. You just got to look at each child and, and determine when they're ready and then, you know, uh, just parent them in that manner. Yeah, like I said, we have four children. My oldest is about to be a teenager here in just a few weeks, so we are bracing for impact. Here you go. <laughs> Batting down the hatches. <laughs> All right, Alexander, what's next for you? Uh, what kind of movies or projects do you got coming up that we could be looking forward to? So I got a lot of big stuff coming up, and it'll be more in the World War II and Westerns. And it won't be, you know, this is Christian films and, pro, you know, uh, conservative films of that nature. It's case by case for me. I didn't seek out Unplanned. It sought me out. If they wouldn't have called me, I wouldn't have done it. It's that simple. Um, I take each movie case by case, and right now, I'm working on a World War II movie, trying to get some big names in. I just did Hell on the Border with Ron Perlman, who was Hellboy, and Frank Grillo from Wheelman and Marvel series, and uh, David Gayasi from Interstellar. Um, there is uh, some stuff coming up with, the, you know, I don't want to throw a bunch of names out there, but you'll you'll see more of me, and people will understand more who I am by the summer of 2020. Let me just put it like that. Awesome. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Alexander, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Don't overplan and don't think you've prepared for anything. Just be willing to roll with the punches, evolve and adapt every day. I wouldn't try to change your life any drastic way and do anything differently. If you're living a good life as a good person, just incorporate your child into that life and be prepared to change and modify by the minute, by the second, by the hour. Uh, too much planning, too much thoughts about how you want to make your child this, that, or the other way. We all know this has had children. Life's going to laugh at you, chew those plans up, and spit them right out, and you're going to have to constantly evolve. So my advice is don't think it's going to change your life that much in so many ways, in the ways you think it's going to, because it's going to change them in all the ways that you don't think it's going to. Right on. Well said. That's great advice. I love the message. This has been a pleasure for me. I got to say, Alexander Kane, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. All right. Thank you, man. Look forward to it. Let's talk again sometime. All right. I'm back with a couple of closing thoughts in just a second here. (laughs) 
back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Alexander Kane for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And let me know what you think about these issues, guys, because I know abortion, it's a tough, touchy subject for a lot of guys out there. I'm always curious to hear a father's perspective on it, maybe some of your own personal experiences with it. So please feel free to drop me a DM. Let's get a conversation going about it, all right? Uh, join me tomorrow on the podcast. We're going to have a Warrior Wednesday. A former Army combat veteran, Jason Wood, is going to be here. And we're going to finish out the week strong. You guys know the drill here. That's all I got for you today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.